Blog Talk Radio. folks and welcome to another edition of Stackhouse Radio. We finally got it back up and running. Thank you, Blog Talk. Um, so I'm your host, Diana Stack, and my co-host Tiffany uh, <laughs> Tiffany Stack. <laughs> You've just married me. Congratulations. <laughs> Quentin <Quit, quit laughs> Tiffany. <laughs> Hello. Hello boys. Oh, no. <laughs> oh that's awful. Um, I I, I I noticed this evening you must have been walking through the haunted cemetery on your way in. I could hear the, the I, hounds, I you know, snapping at your heels. I did, and I picked up a few good ghost stories to tell tonight, too. So, you as did. we tried to tell them two weeks ago, but we couldn't because blog talk was down. And then last so, week, too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, tonight's episode is Stories for the Sewing Season. And if you don't know what that is, that is Halloween for Witches. And pagans and all it good, is. good heathens out there. Um, but not you will be witches. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we wanted macabre stories for Maybon, but now we're well beyond Maybon. They wouldn't let us have it. They said no, no to you. So we are going to introduce this sewing season with some spooky, scary stories from our home states, which would be Pennsylvania and Connecticut. So both states are chock full, but tonight we are going to give you our our favorites or some of our favorites. But first, before we start, let's uh, just let you guys know that uh, if you wanted to contact the show in any way, our email is radiostackhouse at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page, Stackhouse Radio, uh, three separate words, and we are also on Twitter. But our blog talk channel, you should be able to access all of those. So feel free to stop by our Facebook page, give us a like, um, follow us, and we will keep you updated on all the goodies that are coming, especially this month, which is the haunted season of the dead. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had to throw that in there. Um, So... (laughs) um, That's that recording of me when the bee got in the house, isn't it? (laughs) It is, it is. But for those of you who haven't been with us long enough, about eight years ago, I think it had to be more, maybe nine years ago, something like that. We were doing an episode live, and a ball-faced hornet got into the house and was like attacking at me every two seconds. And I was so frightened of this thing that I was screaming, running through the house with. Diana laughing in hysterics. And we had a guest time. on. Didn't, didn't we have a guest on? We had a guest all of a sudden. We hear, ah! <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. It was I hilarious. Don't, I don't scream like that. I scream more like, ah! Yeah, that. <laughs> but, uh, all right, every now and then I do go, ah! But Yes, if there's a bee following you. But remember, all bees are pollinators, including wasps and hornets. So let them live, folks. And also, if you see a big nest of baby spiders, run your hands through them. It's so soothing. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, uh. so tonight's spooky story. So let's get going. And I think, Quentin, did you want to open this one up? I'd be happy to, Diana. Um, so why don't you the share first a story. good story? Well, the first story I'm going to share this evening is uh, from where I lived at in my younger years, which is a, a town uh, somewhat near the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre area of Pennsylvania. Now, my house was very old and uh, was also very haunted. But on this particular occasion, I was not at my house. Um, my house was, as legend had it, was once a church. And if you looked at the house, the giant steeple still stuck out of the middle. And it was there pre-revolution, and there was a battle in the yard where my house was. And uh, there was also claims of a one-time churchyard. But there seemed to be no evidence, and uh, no one ever paid much attention to it. Now, behind me was a skinny little alleyway that didn't used to be there many years earlier. But somewhere about the 1920s, that alleyway was put in, and a few more houses by the coal mining company were put in back there. So there were smaller homes in their front yard, just where a little strip of grass between the house and the road. Well, the neighbors, interestingly enough, were digging one day, and they, they kept finding bricks. And these bricks had... Uh, letters, not embossed, but um, um, on them. It would be like initials, and uh, each one was different. They had different letters embossed or uh, uh, raised on them. Uh, They were not simply notched in by someone's tool. They were made that way. And uh, I found that really interesting. And while digging one day, they found a bone. Now, I don't want to say too much about the family as their identity is being kept a secret, yeah. But the bone, we'll say, seemed to be that of a human knee bone. Now, the husband did have experience in uh, human with human remains, and he himself felt that it was a human knee bone. Well, not much was thought other than maybe it was from the battle or maybe the old churchyard. It was old-looking, and they felt it best just to put it back where it was. And that's what he told his wife he would do. Well, they had two children. And one night they were going out and asked if I would come to their house and just watch TV while the kids slept upstairs so they could go out for a night. And I said, sure. And a friend of mine came with me. And we sat in the living room, and the kids didn't really totally want to sleep, but, you know, he was in bed, not bothering anyone, just laying up there. So I said, that's fine. Well, I watched TV downstairs with my friend, and I went up to check on the kids at one point, and when I came back down, my friend said to me, you know, you know, I didn't see you go back upstairs. And I said, well, what do you mean you didn't see me go back upstairs? You saw me go up. I told you I was going to check on the kids. She said, no, I mean, after you came back down. And I said, I I didn't come back down. And uh, she said, not down these stairs. She was, I heard you on the stairs in the kitchen. I said, There's, there are no stairs in the kitchen. She was, well, I heard someone walking on stairs in the kitchen. And I said, well, there are stairs in the kitchen. They go to the basement. They're behind that door. And she said, well, I heard someone on them. She was, and then I thought it was you going through the cabinets in the kitchen. I could hear you. And I said, no, I was upstairs with the kids. She said, Oh, that's really, you know, strange. So I thought not nothing much of it. I thought she had, you know, 
lost it a little, or she was always a little strange. So she ended up spooking herself out, and she decided she was going to go home. And off into the darkness, she went. Now, it was it was a fall night. It was dark and crisp and cool, and the wind was blowing, and I thought maybe it was just the sounds outside, a, a bush against the house, you know, the creak of a little bit of the siding catching the wind. And uh, finally, I decided to go upstairs and sit in the kids' bedroom just to check on things. And the one was asleep, and the other one was kind of on the sleepy end of awake. And he asked me, can I have popcorn? I want popcorn. And I thought, at this point, I don't care. I'll get you whatever you want. You're not my problem as soon as your parents come home. So I went and I brought him a bag of popcorn and he sat there munching his popcorn in the dark and he said would you go get the dog bones and I said now why do you need dog bones he said well for the monster and now of course what five year old doesn't think that there is a monster in his room so I said oh for the monster I said and where is this monster and he goes right over there and he points over near the closet and I thought oh course a monster in the closet where else would it be and uh i said oh really i said and tell me what does this monster look like and he says to me well kind of like a person and i said oh okay and he said just dirtier and kind of old and gross looking and i said oh well, that made it a little creepier now that I knew what this so-called monster looked like, but I still took this with an air of fun. And, and I said, but do tell, why would the monster want a dog cookie? I said, that seems so funny. He goes, that's what he asks for. I said, he wants a bone. He wants a dog bone. I said, that's a very peculiar monster, isn't it? And he looks at me, and the look on his face was not that of a kid who's making something up, which unnerved me a little. And I said... But now tell me, why would he want a dog bone? And he said, well, he always asks. And I said, he asks you for a dog bone. Do you ever give him one? He goes, well, no, but would you go get them? He goes, he just keeps saying, I want my bone. I want my bone. And I said, what did he say to you? And he goes, he keeps saying he just wants his bone. He goes, and the only bones we have are in the dog cookie box. He's like, so that must be what he wants. Well, this frightened me a bit. And then he said, don't you see him? He's standing right next to you. At this point, I told him, you eat your popcorn and go to sleep. And I went downstairs. I thought, you're on your own, kid. So I went downstairs. Finally, his parents returned home. Now, I've explained to his mother what occurred. And she questioned his father as to why would our child be asking about this she goes did you put it back and he said i put it back and she goes well then why is our child that they're saying that there's a monster in his closet asking for a bone well the discussion ended and a few days later they asked me to keep an eye on the place again and when i did that time i was in the bathroom and i came back out to find every cabinet in the kitchen open. Now, let me explain this particular night. I was not watching the children. They had a dog with separation anxiety, so I was watching the dog this night, and uh, the dog could not open the cabinets. Every cabinet was open. The back door was open, and, and, and no one had been in the house. So I once again complained to the neighbor that 
these odd things that occurred. She questioned her husband once again. Till about two days later, she informed me that when she went to take a shower, her her basement door, the only way to describe this, opens towards the bathroom door. Best way to put it. So she informs me she took a shower. She said she went to come out of the shower and she couldn't open the bathroom door. Someone had taken the cellar door and pressed it against the bathroom door so she couldn't open it. She ended up having to go out through the window to come back in through the side door of the house, which she found wide open when she got there. And when she got there, the basement door was shut, but every cabinet in the house was open. So this was the final straw for her. She waited until her husband came home that night, and she confronted him, and she said, I want to know what is going on in this house. What did you do with it? And he said, I told you, I put it back. Now, she followed the clues on this, that he was lying. And she confronted him again and again and again and pushed and pushed and pushed. And finally she realized that basement door was opening for some reason. She went down to that basement and she hunted around till she spotted a coffee can. Now why would there be a coffee can down in her basement? She opens this coffee can to find the knee bone. Her husband to this day swears to God he put the bone back in the yard but there it sat in a coffee can in the middle of her basement she took it and buried it back in the yard even had a Native American come and do a ceremony for it and from that day the cabinets never opened again her son never mentioned the monster in the closet again they only have the small problem of the bone keeps coming back. And that is my story. I thought you had died of fright. I was like, oh no. That was pretty scary. No bones about it. Ha that well, was just my warm-up story. Don't worry, I have a better one for you later. Well, folks, now I'm going to take you into the very depths of the Litchfield Hills in Connecticut to the infamous Yankee Peddler Inn, noted haunted hotel in the Litchfield Hills, a hotel that once probably saw the likes of Bogart and other famous people staying there. Well... The skeptic that I am, I had to test this theory out. Is it haunted? Is it not haunted? So I decided to take my then beau lover, now my husband, Jeff, to the hotel one night. And I said, Well, it's a little bit after. Let me just get this. It's a little bit after New Year's Eve, so we knew that the hotel wouldn't be crowded. We walk up to the front desk and we ask if they have any rooms available. Well, the front desk person stated to us why, in fact, we have all the rooms open. 
There's only you two and one other couple staying in the entire hotel. And the other couple is in the back wing. Now, mind you, the hotel was an L-shaped, facing downtown, and the other wing faced the back, uh, the back part of the alley. So we said, well, if they have the back portion of the hotel, we'll take the portion near the street. So he took the masters, the whole lot of them, and said, well, let's walk through the halls and we'll check out all the rooms, and you can pick whatever which one you like. So we continued down the hallway to the lobby, up the staircase, and down this long, darkened hallway, lit only by the small faux gas lights on the walls. And as we approached the end of the hallway, after looking at several rooms on that floor, we settled on the room at the very end with a four-poster bed. So that night, we're getting ready, getting settled in. And as we're sitting there, in the bed talking, just having a conversation, all of a sudden, we hear a door handle jiggling. And my first thought is, okay, it's the desk person that maybe has forgotten that we're in this room. And I know that it's just us and one other couple in the entire hotel. So I proceed to the door, open it, check the hallway. No one, not a soul. And the hall was long enough to where you would see them. Well, I chalk this up to chance. It was a breeze. It was something that did this because I don't believe in ghosts necessarily. So as I'm walking to the bed, I hear the door handle jiggle once more. This time I'm quick and I grab the handle as it's jiggling, stopping it, and I rip the door open to see no one, nothing. My skin starts to crawl and my hair is raised on the back of my neck. And I realized something did this, something that I can't see and I can't explain away. And I sat there for a moment, staring down the hallway, looking to see anybody popping out the door, something. And there was nothing. So, figuring there's nothing I can do, I close the door and I proceed back to the hotel room inside. As I'm approaching the bed, all of a sudden, the bathroom door, which was shut completely, clicks open and opens all the way on its own. At that point, I invited whatever was in the room to come join us on the bed. Waiting, waiting for the indentation on the mattress. An indentation that never came. Well, you can imagine this had us in a fright. And the night was sleepless and long into the morning hours. Until about a year later, maybe not that long, I found myself in the dining room at the restaurant at the hotel with a friend. Not a particularly cold day, a warm day. During the lunch hour where there was no fire necessary in the fireplace. The glass doors on the fireplace were closed with thick tempered glass like you would expect on any fireplace. Being a restaurant, it had to be up to code, so we knew that the glass wasn't fragile. Well, I proceeded to tell my friend about my experiences, and 
as I'm describing what happened, I'm telling her about the experience, about the door opening, about the jiggling, the invisible phantom trying to break into our room to do who knows what, whether the intentions were ill, good, neither. I mean, can we really tell what's in the mind of these spirits? I don't believe we can. So, I finished telling her the story. And then all of a sudden, without warning, the glass from the fireplace shatters outward, spilling over our feet and out towards us. Hearing this commotion, obviously we jumped out of our chairs, the manager rushes over. And he said, what happened? What happened to the glass of the fireplace? And I said, I don't know. But all I know is I was telling my friend here the story about our experience with a spirit in the hotel. And after I was finished, the glass exploded outwards. And he said, I wish you people would stop talking about that damned ghost. Because I can't afford to keep replacing glass after glass and chair after chair and everything else that it breaks in this hotel. There was not a fight. There was not claims of disbelief or that I wasn't telling the truth. It was just, this is what happens. So, if you ever hear a tale about a haunted hotel, take a chance and stay. What's the worst that can possibly happen? Ooh, Diana, that, I thought that story was going to turn into menage a trois. <laughs> True story, too. Oh, so, that was a good story. I was on the edge I mean, of my seat. Ooh. <laughs> I was, I was biting my fingers right down to the bone. <laughs> so, as you can see, today we're sharing stories of our own. And if you have a story you'd like to share for the Samhain Halloween season, please share it to our Facebook page at Stack House Radio on Facebook. Message us or post it to our page. We don't mind either way. Or you can email us at radiostackhouse at gmail.com. That's radiostackhouse at gmail.com. So, Quentin, for this Halloween month, is there any other stories or any legends or lore from the great state of Pennsylvania, the state of brotherly love, that you can think of that would entice us and scare us and spook us and reel us into the horrors of Halloween. Well, I'd, I'd like to let our listeners know that I have chosen amongst a great bevy <laughs> of, of stories for tonight, uh, this, the ones I will tell. Um, but I believe you and I are uh, specifically saving for the end of the show tonight a uh, ghost story that we were both at, correct? Oh, we're yes. To, we're going, oh, yeah. You're going to tell that story for everyone tonight? Well, oh, that'll be absolutely. our joint story. So uh, my last solo story for tonight. You know, I, I, I have thought over and over the past. Every, every episode when we go to go live, I kept thinking, which one do I want to use as my second story? I have so, so very many. And, you know, I've thought about the different houses I've lived in, you know. I've, uh, I've lived in a 
you know, colonial era, you know, war house. I've lived in a 1950s home. I've lived in a Victorian home. I've lived in a turn of the century home. And I will tell you, out of all these houses, the scariest was our 1953 Cape Cod. Now, uh, this one is not so much a Pennsylvania story, but I... I can't not tell it, you know? So let me set the scene. Um, My spouse and I purchased our first uh, house together. And it was just a lovely little foreclosure. It was a Cape Cod, three bedrooms upstairs, one bedroom downstairs, big living room with fireplace, dining room, and a large kitchen, and a fenced-in half acre. It was beautiful, just what we wanted great starter home and the only thing that I could find out was that we would be the first people not a member of the family to own that house the original owners lived there died there and then their daughter lived there and uh, she she's the one that lost it and so I didn't think much of it but I'd be there working at night before we moved in and little things would start to happen things would disappear or move on me and I thought I'm just distracted And then a neighbor friend came by to help one day. And we both reported hearing the dinging of a bell. that Someone was ringing a bell somewhere in the house. Again, I didn't think much of it. The house wasn't frightening, nor was it all that large. You know, it wasn't wasn't what you'd expect to come with a ghost story. Well, shortly after we moved in, my other half came home and we were going to have dinner in the dining room and I needed to go upstairs for a moment and there was a door at the bottom of the stairs now this was a dark night there was really nothing much going on and I went to go up the stairs I grabbed the door handle and went to pull it and the door was held shut I couldn't get it to open which was very odd it had never had a problem at all and uh, I thought, well, let me try again. And I pulled and pulled and it wouldn't open. So I let go of the door handle and thought, all right, I'm going to do this quick. And I, with a quick action, reached out, snatched the door handle as quick as I could and pulled. And the door opened without any resistance whatsoever. Now, something was a little odd about this. I did what I had to do. And then we sat down in the dining room. I said to my other half, I said, you know, this just happened with the door. And it was quite odd. Now, up until then, only a few odd things had occurred. Middle of the night when we first moved in, our first night actually, the ticking of the clock was really annoying in the front hall. So he got up to go stop the clock. And it wasn't very far away, 20, 30 feet. He ran back to the bed and was ice cold, as if he'd been in a freezer. And he said, I felt like something just walked through me. The dog himself had come into the room and would not get out of the bed, had hid his head under the pillow. And I thought, oh, these are just new house jitters, everyone. Get over yourself. So when I told him about this, he announced loudly, well, we are not amused with these little tricks. And when he did, 
This, again, it was a perfectly clear, calm night. Not a cloud in the sky, not a breath of wind, nothing. No rain, no thunder, nothing. As he shouted this, a bolt of lightning struck down, hitting the fence post at the outside of the dining room window. Uh, an immense flash, no thunder, no nothing. No wind, no rain, no noise, just an extreme bright shot of white lightning. Now, this was obviously intended to scare us. I didn't think much of it. I decided that I would inform them if they kept up their tricks, I would just sell it to the most undesirable people on earth. Nothing much to be scared of. Parlor tricks, as I'd call them. I'd say, oh, you're up to your parlor tricks again. This apparently was not the reaction these spirits expected. And so they decided to go a little further. It started with I'd wake up in the middle of the night dreaming that someone had climbed out of the mirror at me. And I thought, oh, Quentin, you're just having such strange dreams. But the dreams would progress to where this person would attack at me and claw at me. But then when I'd wake up in the morning, the room would be filled with the scent of a perfume. I didn't know this perfume. And I thought... Okay, they're still trying to get my attention. And I just wasn't going to give them the rise that they wanted. So finally, one fine afternoon, I went up to the second floor, and I walked into the middle bedroom, which was always usually just empty. No one ever really went in there. The end bedroom everyone was afraid of. But I went into the middle bedroom for something, and there had always been a very dark mark on the hardwood there some sort of stain I don't know what it was I thought blood or a bottle of soda could have been anything really so I never thought much of it but on this day there was a column of hot air that just stood in that place nowhere else in the room just there and a smell an overwhelming scent of rot just a gory, rotten smell that the instant you smelled it, you gagged. I shouted down to a friend, who at the time was pregnant, had super sniffer nose. I said, come up here. She came in, walked into the room, ran to the hall, and leaned over the banister and began being sick. And she said it was the most disgusting thing she'd ever smelled. She said it smells like rotten decay. And I said, I know. It's awful. Well, I thought... There must be an animal that has gotten in between the floorboards or, or, or something or in the wall and it just smells. Well, after a few days, the smell was gone. And I thought, well, that's gone. Good. And I didn't think much more of it until a few weeks later, I went upstairs with the dog. And something drew his attention to the bedroom at the end of the hall, which no one ever would go into. He headed down the hall. It was a dark night. The hall was dark. One small light was on. I could see the door was open. And the dog ran, picking up speed down the hall as he went, barreling towards the door. And as just as he reached the door, he tried to stop himself, clawing at the floor, kicking and sprawling, trying to back up, spinning himself around on the hardwood with a loud scratch. He came barreling towards me, feet kicking out, running back. And as he did... This wind came down the hallway, hot wind, 
hot, very hot. And it was a column of hot wind that rushed down the hallway, so much that my hair blew back from my face. And in it was the stench, the smell of rot and gore. This was enough this time to frighten me, to where I ran down the stairs and quickly closed the door behind me and locked it. Now, I told the story to a few people, and I walked them upstairs, showed them where it was. There was no smell. The smell was gone. It wasn't even all that warm up there. So everyone just assumed my imagination had gotten the best of me. Well, at this point, we gave up thinking maybe I had imagined it. Until one day, I went up there, and the smell was back in the same exact spot. I called for my other half. He came up and said, it's just here in this spot. It's a column. It stinks. Well, I was contented with our bedroom was on the first floor, and it was up there, and it was not going to bother me. So I simply closed the door to the second floor and said, apart from the awful smell that comes and goes every few weeks up there, it's a done deal. Now, unless I needed that room, I didn't really care. Well, finally... I went up there to get something one day, and the column of hot air once again did its usual routine, frightening me off. And this time I fought back, and I shouted that I would not be forced out of my home. I would not be frightened of these smells and phantom noises. Now, you may think, nothing harmless, just a smell. Till finally one night, the sound of someone on the stairs drew my attention. And this time, a wind, an actual wind, came through the hallway of my downstairs. No windows were open. A calm night, once again. It was as if a hot wind from a summer storm swept through my kitchen. The stench moving around, as if a person, this column, this moving force, with wind blowing from it. Everything in the room moved from this hot air rushing through it. And it seemed almost as if it was going room to room to room, intent on clearing the house of anyone or anything that was going to live in this house. Well, this time I decided that I was going to cleanse the house. Now, I performed a very special ritual and followed it with cleansing incenses, some of which is sage, but not all. And I walked through the house, corner to corner, window to window, door to door, room to room, going through the whole house. And I did the whole house. and was quite content to feel that it was gone. Until I realized I had forgotten the basement. And the only thing that made me realize I had forgotten the basement was the crash of things moving and falling over in the basement. A loud crash which drew my attention. I ran down the stairs, turned on the lights to see that the basement was empty as usual. We kept nothing in our basement. Nothing was there. Nothing was out of place. Nothing was on the floor. There was nothing. I realized now that this spirit had been forced into the basement and had nowhere else to go. I finished by cleansing out the house, going out into the yard, and cleansing that space. And for a while, everything seemed fine. But little by little, the smell got stronger and stronger and stronger in the second floor in that room again. And finally, we sold the house. 
and we moved. And I suspected that the new owner would have a similar issue. I never did speak to the new owner after we sold it, but I can tell you that she bought it, started remodeling, and then sold it within a year and moved out. So what has gone on in that house, I don't know. But I can tell you, out of all the ghostly encounters I had, this was the most interactive and horrifying one I have ever had. And that's my story. Wow. So people look out for those smells. You never know what's rotting around the corner. You know what they say. Death is just around the coroner. Waiting patiently to strike. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't think I knew that one. (laughs) I didn't think you did. (laughs) (laughs) So, Diana, what story shall you be telling? Ooh, okay. So, like I said, prior to my Yankee Peddler Inn, I was not necessarily a believer of ghosts. So let me give a short intro before I tell you this story. Now, saying that I was not necessarily a believer in ghosts, because I just had a hard time believing that when we die, we traipse around the earth, naked as jaybirds, flitting around, scaring people. I think we're too, I don't know. I just don't see that happening. But that isn't to say that there are some things that are beyond human conception, that are beyond our knowledge or awareness. Things that are older than time. Things that have been here since the beginning. And some spirits, some, might be dark enough and evil enough to hang around and morph into something other than human, other than ghost. So, the next story is similar to that. I don't know. I'll never truly know. But all I know is what I've heard and experienced with my own ears and my own sensations. So we begin. So years back, a friend of mine, we had a little paranormal group. Not really anything we took super serious, but something we just had fun with. Well, we had a couple calls from people saying that there was an old area, one of the city parks, one of the state parks, that was eerie and had some really bad feelings and that they just, every time they went hiking there, every time they went camping there, they just felt like they were being watched, being hunted, being trailed by something that they couldn't see, but they sure could feel. Well, we being the inquisitive, if not skeptic, you know, paranormal investigators, and I use that word lightly. Um, We said, well, we'll just grab some equipment and we'll go out there and check it out. Now, the recording that we had was a brand new tape. We unwrapped it ourselves, put it in the little tape recorder for EVPs, cameras and all that good stuff. We went out there. We did have permission to be out there. And we were out there in the evening. The strange thing is, and and I don't consider myself psychic or anything like that. I think we all have those abilities, naturally. They're born within us. I get out of the car, and there was three of us. And I walked towards the walking path. 
And all of a sudden, I just feel this presence around me. And I couldn't explain it other than children. And for some reason, I just wanted to run with them and play with them. And I couldn't explain it. I couldn't understand why this was happening or why I was feeling this. But these emotions just overtook me. And I found myself flitting through this, down this trail like a child would, running along a path. Of course, I was not aware of this until afterwards, and I was like, wow, that was strange, unexplainable. And then we followed up the path farther and farther into the dark wood. And we realized that there was a series of buildings at the top of the hill and a small clearing. And when we went up there, that playful feeling turned to fear. A fear like I hadn't experienced since before this. A fear that something was hunting me. Something was watching. Something was waiting. And I felt like no matter what I did, I needed to stay with the other two. I couldn't get separated. And I couldn't explain the feeling, but I knew that this was true. So I listened to it. And I stayed with the other two. So, as we're going along and moving along through the buildings, uh, my friend was taking videotape, or video recordings of sounds and asking the normal questions that you would ask. Is there a presence here? Is there somebody here? Is something happening? So on and so forth. So there was a point where I went to one of the buildings and I said, this is too much. I just could not get over that fear like I was being suffocated, strangulated. Just It was terrible. Just this choking fear. So I left and I said, I'm going back to the car. I can't be here. There's just something not right with this place and I need to leave. And they said, okay, here's the light. Go down to the car. Take the keys with you. We'll be down there in a moment. And I left. And as I left... I felt like I was running, running from something that I couldn't see and I couldn't explain, but I was running and I knew I had to make it to the car. So I got into the car, locked the doors and waited for the other two, which they were shortly after me. So we're traveling back, heading back to the house. And as we sit at the house, they're going through the tapes and we're up late and I made coffee and I was sitting in the other room and they're playing the tape back from the night's events. Well, they started playing the tape. And it was then I hear them saying, what was that? Was that you? No. Was it you? It wasn't me. Well, it wasn't her. She's the female voice. We're the male voices. It wouldn't be her. This is definitely a male voice. And I heard them speaking about this. And I walked back into the room that they were in, and I said, what's up, guys? And they said, well, we don't want to scare you, but we feel maybe you should listen to this. And as they're playing the tape, you could hear my friend's voice. You could hear my other friend's voice very clearly. I've known these to you for a long time so I know the voices and we're listening and I didn't expect much I heard the regular rustling around of leaves and you know the normal noises you would hear in the background 
until one moment. One moment that froze me and chilled me down to the deepest part of my soul. There was a moment of silence. And this voice, deep, demonic, roaring, growling voice, screams from the darkness. She's alone! I knew what I had heard, but I didn't want to believe it. So I made them play it again. And again, I hear the voice going, She's alone! This was about the time that I was walking to the car. Because they couldn't hear what was on the tape, and you could hear them going. You could hear them talking to each other, saying, Well, we don't want her to be out there by herself, so let's get going. So that night, again, another sleepless night for me. For some inexplicable reason, my dog, Hagar, the most beautiful Newfoundland in the world, didn't sleep on my bed like he normally does. Instead, he slept half in the bedroom and half out into the doorway, facing outwards. And he spent the entire night growling. Growling at something in the house. That followed me home that night. And it would take efforts and efforts and efforts upon efforts to release what had been brought back from the woods that evening. Like the watcher in the woods. Yes. Now, that was funny. I am super excited. So, dear listeners, I want you to pull up a chair close. Turn the volume up. I am super excited as Diana and I experienced this next story together. Mm-hmm. And so I'm we very did. excited yeah. for us to tell you about it. I really am. Um, yes. Now, I have to give the story of how you and I met, so people don't think this was a collaborated story. Okay. Many years ago, back in the year 2009, it was 2000, it was 10 years ago, almost this very night, a dark and windy kind of night, the fall breeze crept through the leaves, the trees rustled. I walked into a particular establishment in the Gettysburg, Pennsylvania area um actually it was a place called the farnsworth house where they held a hokey gimmicky seance in 19th century style so Mm -hmm. me by myself i went that particular night i looked like willie nelson and i sat down (laughs) awaiting to go in next and this couple sits down not far from me a lovely young lady and a douchebag a, 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 a lovely nice man was sitting with her (laughs) <laughs> and I I remember looking over. Did I talk to you or did you talk to me? I can't remember. Well, I think that night uh, you sat next to me on the bench while we were waiting to go in. And mm-hmm. the way they seated us is you ended up sitting right next to me on my right side. Yeah, I think if I remember, it was I was first, you were second, he was third. 
And I mm-hmm. thought the way that they were going to do it, because they said they needed to balance the table. Right. It would have they put the two of you. Yeah. Right, because they set you first, then him across from you, then myself, and then someone across from me, and that's how they were sitting. Yes, that's how they were seating the so, table. So this is how Diana and I meet. And as a night, maybe two nights later, was Halloween. So skip forward to this Halloween night, where Diana says, I'm going on this ghost hunt, wink, wink, thing. She was like, it's just <laughs> going to be for funsies. She's like, but let's go. Come on with me. We'll go. So yeah. I said, okay. So Diana, her friend that was with her and myself went. Now, again, we're new to each other. I know nothing more than her name is Diana and that she is from Connecticut. And I am mm-hmm. Quinton, the guy with the braids. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, now I won't get into the story yet. Mid. Yes, yes. And, uh, but I will say we, we were taken to a farm, which is a privately mm-hmm. owned section of battlefield. Most of the battlefield is there's the historic battlefield, but the battle went on downtown and in different areas. So there are parts yes. that are privately owned battlefield. And so we went there and we were with a group. There was a group and it was split up and our group of what, 10, would you say? Yes. About that. We were taken off into the, a wooded area. We left a barn. They drove us out to a barn. And then from there, we uh, we we were taken, followed a trail way out into, uh, it was like a field, but at the far end of the field was a wooded area, and they took us down in there. It sounds like the beginning of a horror film. It kind of was. They took us out to the barn <laughs> and then drove us to the now field. I, say, <laughs> I personally feel that great moments in history or tragic moments in life can sometimes emboss themselves into the very grain known as our existence. I think memories and moments can be captured in particles, in wood, in stone, in many things, and that times are re-released. I even believe that dimensions can sometimes bump into each other. Mm -hmm. And I think in places like Gettysburg, There was so much energy and so much death and so much trauma that it punctured a hole straight through and a great deal of things leak back and forth, especially in the dark night. And the ground holds all things. Yes. So as the story goes, I'll I'll tell a bit and then Diana can tell a bit. It had been a rather uneventful evening, and we had been called back to go to the barn, if I am correct, right? Everyone was being, everyone had headed back pretty much. Now, yeah. earlier in the night, we did encounter a bear. But, yeah, peeing uh, in the woods. He was peeing in the woods, so it was safe. Uh, but So we headed up the hill to where the field was. Most everyone had gone back. I think there was one lady still down behind us someplace, but we didn't know her, so fucker so (laughs) diana and i headed back up the hill and there was a guy we called him the navy seal based on the outfit he was wearing he was not oh my goodness the tactical ghost hunters yes and he waited he was uh, how far ahead of us he was quite a bit ahead of us you could just see his outline waiting right we we had kind of taken off our on our own at that point i think we just kind of won meandered off from the the group and we ended up going through along the woods up to this uh, point where we were looking up over a hill, which was pitch dark, and there was no one there. We were actually out of bounds, according to where we were technically allowed to go. 
because we were supposed yes. to remain with an eye shot, but we weren't because we didn't believe now, this any of their hokey a, stuff. This is a dark night. To, to describe it, we were looking out at a hilly field, I guess you'd call it, right? A, mm-hmm. a tree line was on the left, a thick tree line. And it was on open the left. in front of us. Yes, open in front of us. And to the far right, if you look to your extreme right, right way off in the distance, you could see the mm-hmm. light of the barn where, pe- where yes. you were supposed to head back to at a certain time. Mm-hmm. And so you and I were standing there. We were just kind of chatting. I think we were almost waiting on that other person who had been peeing. Yes, we were. <laughs> yes, the bear. We were standing there. And I don't remember which one of us said something first, but we were both looking out at this field just talking. And I remember what I saw. I looked up and saw a line of shadowy figures hunched down. Now, if you've ever seen soldiers in the Civil War era particularly trying to tactfully move, the only thing you could do was squat and kind of run squatted. And it was a line of people squatted down, running. They were shadow figures running quickly down close to the ground. You could see that they could, you could almost see the pack they were carrying and their, their gun, their long guns were being held. Mm-hmm. But they were shadowy yes. and just, they were, they were shadows. How, they, they were a distance out in front of us. I can't say how yes, far. They were. But as, and I didn't say anything to Quentin because I wasn't sure if I was seeing the correct thing. I know that. And nighttime, especially, you know, on darker nights, it's easy to create patterns with your mind. And I'm looking over the hill, and I see the same line. And I see these gentlemen that I could only, and I, at first I thought they were reenactors. And I'm like, well, that's odd because every reenactment I've ever seen has never taken place at night. And I'm looking this over the like hill. This was like midnight. And- yes, it was midnight. Yeah. It was actually probably closer to 1 o'clock in the morning at this point. And... I'm watching this row of soldiers crunching into the grass, hunching over. And at one point, they're hunching and hunching. And at one point, they're walking. And then they, one by one, stand up. And as they stand up, they just disappear. One by, they're just yeah. as if they just faded. Yeah. They faded into the ether. And it was unexpected. And there was, there was no place anything. to go. There was no place no. to hide. They, no. they were dead in front of, literally dead in front of us. And I remember they, they vanished in a, a very vapory kind of way. They just dematerialized almost. They just were gone. And, mm-hmm. and as they, the ones, and they each disappeared uh, one by one, like, you know what I mean? As if they yes. were, you know, as the line kept moving, they'd poof, poof. And now yes. some might say, oh, this was some sort of trick they were pulling for the ghost hunt. First off, we were out of bounds. We were not supposed to be over here. Exactly. These people disappeared. These were not living people. They disappeared in front of us. And Right. We both saw that. Yeah. Had they been pulling a stunt, they'd have done it when other people were around. This was us alone in the dark. No one even knew we were there. Everyone was heading back to the barn. So had they been pulling a stunt, they'd have been doing it to everyone's backs, and everyone would have been too far away to see it. This was not... This was not an entertainment kind of giggle. Look, we, we made you think you saw a ghost because it, it would have been wasted. But real yes. people. And it would have been done. Disappear. It would have been done a lot better. It would have been done more extravagantly. There would have been probably a mystery. There would have been lighting. Right. Yeah. This was if you weren't looking in the right direction and you weren't where you were and you didn't look when you look. And this was the thing. Now, some might say maybe it was a deer. These were not deer. I could tell no, you exactly I've seen what deer they were. At night. 
these were not deer. I'm no. we're we're both from the northeast. We know deer at night. These were not deer. They they were squatted no. down. They stood up. They disappeared. I I mean. And, and the fact that there was people nearby, it would not have been deer running in that direction. Exactly. And deer don't disappear. They don't, no. And the, the interesting thing, too, was as we're walking, we're walking. Neither one of us at this point, neither one of us had said anything to the other at this point. Not one thing. We're walking back, and we, we realized at this point we really need to get back to the group. And we saw two other ladies. Maybe they had followed us, or maybe they were behind us, but we hadn't seen them prior to. So as we're walking back... We're joining the group, and these two ladies were alongside of us, not talking to us, but alongside of us. And we heard their conversation, and all of a sudden, one of them goes, did you see them on the hill? Did you see them too? And the other lady said, you mean the soldiers? The soldiers that were crouched over and that faded out into nothing? She said, yes, you saw well, them do you, too. Do you remember? Do you remember too, it was we had walked up to the Navy SEAL, because he was gathering us. And yeah. we told them that there was a, we wanted to tell them, we, we wanted to tell them what happened. And that's when those ladies walked up and were like, yes. did you see them? Did you see? And, yes. And, and he was astonished because he thought they were friends with us. And I said, I don't know these ladies. I've never met right. them before. And you said the same. And he's like, so wait, you guys yes. don't know each other. And you weren't even standing together. And they no, described where they were, which would have been. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And we described the same and, thing. Yeah. They saw the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Just from they were at a yeah. different angle from us, so they saw it from a different yeah. angle. But and I, but, if but, I remember correctly, though, I think we had already talked. We had talked to the Navy. When we're calling him the Navy Seal. He really wasn't a Navy Seal. But I forgot what his name is. We just called him the, that. But we had talked we'll to him about our experience George. prior. Yeah, George. We talked to him prior to these women approaching him. So we had already relayed to him our story before we even heard them say anything. And they weren't, well, I don't think they were near us when we told the story, but I don't see why they would lie because we saw them with us. Uh, we saw them in the general direction as we were walking back. But I can't and explain And I think it. we were pretty blunt he with couldn't. them too. We were like, mm-hmm. we, were, we were pretty blunt with, we're not here Did to see ghosts. Like we were here yeah. to giggle. Like we were here to have fun. We didn't expect anything. Exactly. And these, and I remember these ladies they were taken back and he was taken back like he was like really and he was like so you guys don't know each other and we're like no and I was like her and I just Mm -hmm. met like yesterday for the first time and these ladies Mm -hmm. are strangers to us and what was interesting was someone might say well maybe it was a trick of the light maybe it was the angle you were at but these ladies were further away at a different angle and and saw the same thing yeah Yeah. and uh, no matter how much I am I'm and, and by ghost again it's a loose loose word. Ghosts could be so yeah. many things. It could but be a memory if that anyone, has led into the ground. If anyone ever said to me, I don't believe in ghosts, I, I could never ever look at them and say, neither do I. Things like that are the moments when you when I doubt it. Sometimes I think, well, maybe I just imagined these ghostly experiences. Maybe it was a trick. Maybe I didn't understand something. But that, that is one of my go-to stories because... There are witnesses. It, yeah, you know, in the night, in the dark, and I think uh, where the dead. You and is. I can sit. We, you and I could sit and talk about that night for hours, just going over oh, the details absolutely. that we both still remember so well. I mean, it was you could see the the long grass of the field mm-hmm. moving as they went through it, and you could see them. 
You could see yes. they were coming out of the tree line. They were running mm-hmm. as if as if they were trying to tactfully move in the dark mm-hmm. from tree line to yes. the the other tree line you couldn't even see because it was beyond the barn. But in 1863, if you were trying to get from one spot to the other, you were going to move in the dark, you were going to move low, and you were going to move fast. Mm-hmm. And that's what was happening. Yes. And, and when we talk, about, we talk about Gettysburg, we talk about an area that is entrenched with bloodshed and tragedy. This is brother killing brother. This was not just some unknown enemy. And when you walk into Gettysburg, and it's not just the field that we were in, it's not just hotels and everything else it's the entire town this town was just locked into this battle this three-day battle that saw so much death so much bloodshed and to have an area go through that kind of tragedy that kind of trauma I believe the trees and the ground and the land I believe they hold it they hold it tight to them and it bleeds out sometimes the terror and the horror and the sadness and the sheer tragedy of it all bleeds out. And if we look close enough, with our hearts and our minds open, sometimes we're allowed to see a small glimpse of that and share in that experience. And that experience is stronger in Gettysburg than anywhere that I've been in my time. Yeah. If you have never been to Gettysburg... Now, some people don't get the feeling, but I think that has to do with perception. But the minute you cross the town line, you could be half asleep in the back of the car and you'll know that you've crossed that line because you can feel it. There is such a feeling, such an energy. It Mm -hmm. is so interesting there. And if you go there, visit the, the battlefield, but visit the downtown where the cemetery and the historic homes are and the shops. And I love to go in the shops and the restaurants, not because I'm there to buy plastic junk, <laughs> but because you're in a building that has steeped in history. And, and a favorite of mine, I have to say, my favorite place to visit is the Shriver House. It is a lovely museum that gives you the look at how these people lived that during those days of that battle, mm-hmm. um, it is a private home that is a museum and is really very nice. Uh, the tour guides are very well educated. And my favorite thing is their postcard that they sell. Um, they had their attic, which is still the original wood boards and everything. They had it sprayed down with that phosphorescent liquid for crime scenes. And then the black lights turned on and the black, the phosphorescent liquid will, will attach to, was it by... Uh, well, blood, essentially. Um, and when they turned it on, all of these spots where soldiers bled mm-hmm. on the floor were right. now the glowing luminol. again. Mm-hmm. The luminol picked it up. Yeah. Yes, luminol, that's it. And, uh, yes, I, I would know. I was really draw blood from wood. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I spray down. Every house I move to, I spray it down with luminol and go through the black light just to make sure I'm in a murder or death house. You know um, why? But yes. Because I hate sleeping why? alone. Because I hate sleeping uh, alone at night. I love the company well, of I have to say, and goblins. I have to say, this has been a most chilling and enjoyable evening, don't you think? It has. I absolutely. But we should. We should Stop here before we get too excited. 
Oh, I know, because there's so much more to come. This is the month of Halloween, so there's so much more frightful, delightful stories we can share with you. And if you have any that you'd like to share with us, please feel free on Facebook at Stackhouse Radio, or you can email us at radiostackhouse at gmail.com. So don't forget to go to Facebook, give us a like, follow us for more intriguing stories and topics that you'll just die for. So until (laughs) next week, (laughs) this is Diana and Quentin signing off with Sleep Tight. And unpleasant dreams. (laughs) Yes. Good night, folks.